Hello, New Jersey Devils fans and Washington Capitals fans. It is Julia Kender from Locked on Devils. And I'm Nikki from Locked on Caps. And today we're coming at you with another collab. Um, We are so excited to do this for you guys. Um, It's just always so much fun hanging out with Nikki on the show. Um, (laughs) I love it personally. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too. We can't hang out in real life. So this is like the next best thing, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So today um, there's a whole bunch that I want to talk about, but I really want to focus on coaching because coaching is something that the Devils are looking to uh, improve on. Obviously, they fired their old coach midway through the season. They have an interim coach right now. So my first uh, question, I guess, for you, Nikki, is who has been the best coach in your eyes in your franchise's history? Oh, man, that is a great question. So uh, I'm going to get a little controversial here. I think I've said this a few times on my podcast that I'm not the biggest Barry Trotz fan. Um, Obviously, he brought the Capitals a cup, but I think that most people would say that he was their favorite coach in history because of the cup. Um, But for me, I actually really, really like Reardon. And my reasoning being that I think that he brought a lot of great assets to the Capitals when he was just an assistant coach. And a lot of little birdies behind the scenes have told me that he had a lot to do with the Capitals winning the cup. Um, I've heard again, not confirmed. These are just rumors, but they're rumors from people that I trust pretty highly uh, that are pretty, you know, behind the scenes and close to the team itself that um, Barry Trotz kind of let, Reardon take over the reins, so to speak, that year. Um, And that was the reason the Capitals were able to get over the hump. Obviously, I mean, take with that news what you will. Um, I know the rumors can get spread and people can exaggerate. But I, the only reason I believe that is because in years prior, I just watched the Capitals have such great teams and such great talent. And I think that Trotz just really struggled to get them over that hump. Um, I think that Trotz is an incredible guy. Obviously, I think he is a good coach. I think he's a good regular season coach. Um, I just think that he lacked the discipline. And I don't know if he was having trouble getting like the morale lifted in the locker room or if he was having trouble getting the players to take things more seriously. But I think for whatever reason, he really struggled to get his team to win the cup. And also it's been proven with me as watching him with the Islanders. He made the Islanders an incredible regular season team. And then you kind of watch them just collapse once they made it to the playoffs, which is what the Capitals always did under the leadership of Trotz as well. So in recent history, I'm going to say that I actually like Reardon, which is a very, very, very unpopular opinion. I know that a lot of people are not too happy with Reardon, especially because of the Capitals' early exit in the playoffs last year. Um, it makes me kind of upset that we didn't get to see what the Capitals uh, could do this year. Well, we shall see. Um, and I know a lot of people complain about Reardon's coaching this season, but at the end of the day, the Capitals still are first. They have were in first place majority of the season. Yeah, there are things the Caps need to work on, but I think that what the Caps need to work on is not really Reardon's fault. Um, I think they need to really work on the power play. I think that there's some goaltending issues, but 
I wouldn't necessarily put that blame um, on Todd Reardon. So, yeah, that's a, a lot of, like, word vomit. <laughs> but long story short, um, I'm happy with the coach that the Capitals have. I think he is the best man for the job right now. And I don't really think there's anyone that I would rather see coaching this team. I think that um, I really like Reardon because he's been with the organization for a little while and he really knows the in and outs. Um, and I do think that he had a lot to do with the Caps winning the Cup. Very interesting. I did not know this about you. I didn't know you didn't, you weren't the biggest fan of Barry Trotz. I like try not to talk about it too much. It's a little bit controversial just because he won the Caps the Cup. And I really do like him as a guy. He's super sweet. I don't have any bad things to say about him. I just think that he was almost a little bit too nice. Um, I don't know. I just, I struggle to idolize him as a coach when the Capitals, like I said, had so many good seasons and great teams and couldn't even make it past the second round. I think after that happens once or twice, you have to kind of blame coaching. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit bitter. Maybe I'm taking out some of my anger and frustration from past seasons on him, but <laughs> you have to blame someone, right? Right. <laughs> now, um, what are your thoughts on coaching for the devils is there are there any coaches that are available that you think would be a really good fit for that new jersey devils team yes okay so becky my regular co-host who hasn't been able to be on the show due to wi-fi issues um she and i have been pushing for uh gerard gallant for as soon as he got fired from the golden knights we were like yes he should come to the devils <laughs> um so he's definitely my person i would love to have but another coach that i would really like to have okay so i have two other people um scott gordon of the lehigh valley phantoms is he he proved that he can be an nhl coach when he played uh up into the nhl uh as a coach for the Flyers, as an interim coach last season. He proved that he can develop young guys, and the New Jersey Devils are a very young team. Um, I think Scott Gordon, if he were to make the leap to the NHL and be an NHL coach, I think the Devils and him would get along really well. But if I'm looking at NHL coaches, obviously Gallant, but also I love Peter LaViolette. I love him so much. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> I like I just love his coaching style. I love that he's kind of he reminds me of uh Tortorella without being mean yes. in a way. Yeah. <laughs> so I I, I really <laughs> like him. I really think that he could be good for the Devils, but I think as far as coaching styles go, Gallant just might fit better. Um he did a lot for the Golden Knights when they they he built that team from nothing. Like they didn't have anything. They had a bunch of ragtag players that he threw together and was able to make something out of it. And I have my own issues with how the draft went, but I really like what he was able to do. And I think that this team, the Devils right now, need someone to just turn them around. Uh, just kind of throw everything out the window, come in with a new, fresh approach, and give them something they haven't had. And I think that Galan is the guy for that. And I do know recently he, according to some insiders, 
uh, interviewed for the coaching job for the doubles. Interesting. Uh, so, so just saying. <laughs> no, I um, so, agree. Like, I think you're spot on with that. Yeah, those are those are the top my top three. I know I said Scott Gordon as soon as um, we've had the coach switch um, from Heinz to Naz. I said Scott Gordon because I think that he could be an he is an NHL coach. Like he's a very he proved himself as an NHL coach, and I would love to see him be an NHL coach. Um, so that's why I think Scott Gordon, but. The other two, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just like word vomiting here now. <laughs> but, I, it's funny, like with no hockey, when I start talking about hockey, I feel like I can't stop. It's like the word vomit. Yeah. <laughs> like, all the thoughts and ideas. <laughs> it's like all of these thoughts that are like hanging out in your head and you can't talk to anybody about. So once yeah. you get the chance, you're like, yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I feel like what's interesting with the Devils team is that they are so young. So you would need the right blend and a coach of someone who's able to kind of handle a bunch of like young up and coming misfits, um, but yes. also to be tough enough on them to actually get them together. It's such a fine line. Coaching is such a difficult job. Um, obviously, you know, you want to gain your team's trust and their respect in a kind uh, way. But if you're too soft with them, then, you know, you might not necessarily re- like achieve the results that you want. So it's so hard. I could never, ever be a coach <laughs> of anything. I, no, no way. I don't think. <laughs> well, I also, something I was thinking about is like with the Devils, they're so young. You need to be able to know how to discipline them because, so, okay. So I'm going to give an example from earlier in the season. Jack Hughes played a horrendous first period and coach Naz sat him on the bench. and was like, I'm giving you a second to recharge. Like he missed two shifts, maybe more. Um, but Naz was like, I'm just going to give you a second to recharge. Like you just need a minute. Um, you're obviously not playing to your ability. And then Jack Hughes went out and had a really good rest of the game. So it's like, it takes, someone to know not to bench the young guys like Dave Hackstall uh, of the Philadelphia Flyers he benched the young guys all the time you make a mistake you're benched you make a mistake you're not seeing the rest of the period but coach Naz like he actually had a really I really liked what he did so it's just you're right it's such a fine line it's so hard. And I think that, I mean, a lot of people could argue that back to your point of uh, LaViolette as a good coach, a lot of people argue that he is like, too rough. Um, but I kind of, I kind of liked him as a coach. Um, it's just, it's such a fine line for me. Like I do like a coach that is rough on his team, especially when it needs to be done. Um, especially, I mean, you're trying to handle a bunch of rowdy boys making millions of dollars. Like that <laughs> in and of itself is so difficult. Um, and then, you know, you also have to make sure that their morale and their attitude off the ice is, you know, good as well. And that they're treating their teammates with respect and, you know, behaving and not using, um, you know, racial and, you know, sexist slurs. And I do think that falls on coaching as well. So I do think like these coaches do need to be hard on their, on their players, but you know, just benching people and doing things out of a power struggle is not necessarily that. Um, but it's just such a, a fine line there. 
Well, bringing back Laviolette, um, when he was the coach of the Flyers like years and years ago, Mike Richards was so young and Jeff Carter was so young and Giroux was so young and he he was hard on them, but yeah. he did it in a way that was productive to their development. And you it know? worked. <laughs> it worked. They got That's to the Stanley Cup playoffs or finals. Sorry. Yeah. And um, they had no business. <laughs> like they barely no, scraped they scraped into the playoffs that year and then they went all the way to the finals like that has a lot to do with coaching and how he handled his team and I don't think that it was right for him to get fired from Nashville um I have my own thoughts about that and about the fact that they brought in John Hines which is just such a bad idea considering how bad he was with the Devils um that was just a whole other thing uh, but even what he did with the Preds, like he took them to a the cup final too. I I really think that he's been treated a little bit unfairly. Um, and I think it's a lot to do with like politics and there's just some coaches that aren't really well liked. And, you know, I've heard grumblings of people not liking him for certain reasons. And obviously not everyone's going to like everyone else. But um, I think, you know, it really is interesting to see how certain coaches are beloved and how certain coaches, even though they're pretty great um are kind of talked down upon um mm-hmm. and coaching is such an interesting topic because I feel like coaches are not given as much credit when they deserve it and I feel like they're also people take things out on them much too quickly when they don't deserve it so they kind of get like the bad end of the stick all the way around oh, um, yeah. like the second that a team is not performing or you know loses a few easy games so to speak everyone comes for the coach's throw I mean that is especially in the Capitals fan base it is crazy and it happened with Trotz it happens with Reardon I mean it's not just for one guy but it's nuts and I'm not I am not the type of person that it's like, oh my gosh, we're losing. It's all this coach's fault. I don't see it that way. Um, but then, of course, when good things are done, I don't really see fans being like, oh, I'm so glad our coach did this. People also don't realize that there's a whole coaching staff. So, like, if you're getting mad at something in particular, like, chances are it doesn't really have anything to do with the head coach. You know what I mean? Like, so... I just think that they get a lot of unwarranted hate sometimes and certain coaches get it a lot worse than others. Um, and then you see coaches that it's kind of that are part of like the good old boys club who got away with such horrible stuff for so long. And I'm glad that this past season, a lot of them were finally called out for their BS and fired rightfully. Yeah. Um, that's, you made two really good points. I want to talk on really fast. Um, the first is that people come for the coach's throat so much and they're like, the power play's not doing well. Why is the power play not doing well? And it's like, there's a whole special teams coach. Like, there's a whole coach for that and you're coming for the head coach. Exactly. exactly. Like, people don't understand that. And people, the people that don't get that are people that I know, they know how coaching works. They know their special teams. Like, they get all the in and outs, but it's just quicker for them to like, pop out a tweet and be like, our head coach sucks like no that's not how this works yeah and the other thing is I'm really glad that you brought it up um the stuff that went down years ago that is just being brought to light and how you know firings happen because of it and rightfully so and it's something that it's 
one of those topics that's very difficult to talk about, but it needs to be talked about. So thank you for bringing that up. I'm really glad you brought that up. Of course. I, it was crazy this whole season. I think that a lot of good was actually done throughout the NHL and a lot of things were called out. Um, so I was actually, you know, surprisingly happy with the way the NHL handled some things, which never happens. Right. <laughs> they're usually not so great at it. Um, but I'm hopeful that, you know, when hockey starts up again or next season, that that will continue. Um, you know, the good old boys club really needs to continue to be broken up. And um, that's the only way that hockey can prove that it really is for everyone. So hopefully that continues into next season. Um, yeah, I and, hope so. And speaking of next season and this season, and um, yesterday it was revealed that the NHL is has a new plan for when this season will resume. And I don't know about you, but to me, it sounded like this was a more legitimate plan than ones in that they've talked about in the past. It seemed like they had. I don't know, did a little more groundwork with this or that this was obviously nothing's official yet, but um, they discussed that they would start July 1st with like four to five neutral sites instead of just the one or two. Um, And then they would have limited to no fans. Also interesting. It's the first time they brought up having any fans um, with resuming the season and that it would pick up correct me if I'm wrong, but it would pick up right at playoffs. Or I didn't even know if that was mentioned in in what they said. I don't know if they mentioned if they would pick up at playoffs or um, if they would just kind of pick up where they ended. But I... Yeah, I'm not sure if they mentioned that. I don't Um, think they did. And it was very, like, loose, like, just a few bullet points. Um, But it did sound like a little bit more legitimate than other theories that I've heard. Yes, I agree. Um, I personally, I'm all for this idea. I really like the fact that it's four to five neutral sites instead of one, because if God forbid there was someone that got sick, you're not getting every single person sick. Um, I think that it eliminates the chance of a really bad, really dangerous breakout. It also eliminates the chance of hospitals getting overrun. So if you have all of the players, all of the staff, all of the, I mean, everyone, the health and physical trainers and everything like that, I could not speak English today. I don't know what I just said. (laughs) But if you have everyone in one city and there is um, a case of COVID, then it's going to spread and the hospitals in that area are going to be overrun because you're bringing in thousands and thousands of more people that wouldn't be there. So I think that the thought of spreading it out to a few cities is great. Um, What I'm curious about is would one of those cities be in Canada um, for the Canadian teams? um, You know, if so, how would that work? Because I know that travel between Canada and the U.S. is currently um, not permitted except for essential. So I don't know if sports would become essential. I know that in Florida, the WWE is considered essential workers. Yeah. Um, so, which I think is a little stupid. But um, so I just, I don't know. But I do like this idea of four or five neutral sites. Um, I kind of like the idea of limited fans, but 
for me, I think that the limited fans should be only people that live in that city, um, obviously following all the guidelines that are set um, by local and federal governments. But I think that, you know, maybe some cheering and, you know, would bring a little bit of a morale boost and would help those players to um, get back to normal. The July 1st timeline to me says that they would just go right into playoffs. Um, and then I would assume that they would start kind of conditioning and training midway through June, which I've done a lot of research. I have, you know, listened to a lot of doctors and nurses and um, experts, and they kind of have all said that it seems like regulations of the stay at home order would start to be lifted um, early June. So that timeline also matches up with what I think is the most safe for everyone. So I'm not too mad at this idea. I think that it'd be nice to finish out the season. Um, I think that the players and coaches have put in so much work. The season was so close to being over. It would really stink for them to not get any type of completion. Um, So I'm not mad at this idea. And I think that it's the most um, reasonable one that they've had so far. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I like this idea. Um, I personally think, and maybe they should start with no fans and then build up to fans, um, like build up to some fans that live in that city um, to create like a little bit of like, you know, the morale boost and home ice advantage maybe and stuff like that. Like not home ice advantage, but like giving them that like feel of being home ice, you know? Um, so I feel like right. maybe like the fan thing they can start slow with Um but I really like this idea. I like having multiple locations for the exact same reasons you said. I think that in order to have like this many teams play and this many uh, people who – this amount of people – sorry, I don't know what I'm saying. This amount of people who go into making a game happen, you know – it, it's it's putting each other at risk. So being able to separate them and just having certain teams and like playoff games and stuff play at specific locations, I think that's a really smart and more responsible way to do it. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think that it really, um, it's just a lot safer. And just we've been hearing so much about how important it is to keep hospitals um, having some vacancy and that we don't want them to get overrun. So I think that the NHL and all major league sports um, have that responsibility to not just bombard and crowd a city because God forbid there is an outbreak within the league. Um, We can't have someone's hospital being completely overrun. Um, It also does bring up the question of what cities they would go to. Um, Because it's really interesting. I think that a lot of the cities that have already peaked are going to be ready um, for business earlier than others. So it might sound crazy, but New York actually might be safer than cities that haven't already reached their peak. Um, Like a city as Chicago, which I don't think has really come to their peak yet. um, They might not be ready for July 1st, but New York has been on the incline for the past um, few weeks. So come July, shockingly, you know, that might be ready to take in um, an NHL team. But it's going to be really interesting because 
they're going to want to go to places that are safe, don't have a, um, you know, crazy amount of COVID cases, but also they're going to need to go somewhere that's big enough to handle players coming in that has enough hotel rooms um, that can keep them kind of all at bay. I think that Orlando um, may be interesting, uh, maybe somewhere they could go. I think Orlando is interesting to me, although it's a little bit far from the Tampa um, rink. But I think it's about an hour. I, I could be wrong. But there's so many resorts in Orlando. Um, they could put them all up at like Disney hotels that have like the eateries and everything in there. So they're not leaving. And then just bus them to the games um, and they can pay, play at uh, Tampa or the Tampa Bay Light. Oh my God, why can I think of the arena? Uh, Emily. <laughs> my gosh, my brain today. Um, but I think that that may be smart. Um, also, Vegas uh, is a really good idea because there's all of the resorts, again, with the eateries and things inside. They can hold a ton of people. Um, and then they'd be able to play at T-Mobile. So it's just, it'll be interesting to see what comes of it. Another idea is them playing in cities that aren't necessarily NHL cities. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true with colleges. Yeah. So that's another, or yeah, I guess opportunity. Um, But I think right here is a good place to stop for today. Uh, We will come back at you tomorrow with part two.